Let's pray and jump into the Word this morning. Father, we love you. We thank you for the opportunity that you've given us. Father, we desire your, your Holy Spirit to move in our midst, Lord, to open our minds and our hearts up to receive this Word. So, Father, we ask for your anointing. Father, we, without it, we are literally struggling, Lord God, with no ability, Lord God, to communicate. But with your anointing, Lord God, I know that there is a supernatural move, Lord God, that takes place in each of our lives. And so that's why we ask. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So this morning we are moving towards uh, Thursday, which all of you know it's Thanksgiving. So this morning, question, what is it that you think of whenever you think of Thanksgiving? Whenever you think of that day, Thursday, that's coming up, what is it that you think of? Do you think of family? You know, that's certainly something that's very important to me, having all my kids and grandkids with me, time, family. Uh, maybe it's uh, you get a day off. Yeah. You get to rest, or maybe you get to work, because if you got to cook Thanksgiving, that's a lot of work. Maybe you think of food. I said, what do you think of whenever you think of Thanksgiving? Food, turkeys, pies, all the amazing food that's, that's put on the table during Thanksgiving meal, or or maybe whenever I say, what do you think of whenever you think of Thanksgiving? Maybe it's uh, football games or political conversation. No, leave politics out of it. Okay, never mind. We think of all different kinds of things whenever we hear the word Thanksgiving or we think about the holiday of Thanksgiving. But Thanksgiving, I really believe the purpose of Thanksgiving is much more than all the things that I just mentioned. I believe that it, it teaches us about having a grateful heart. And may I just say this? We should all be learning how to be more thankful than we are. See, I don't think you can ever come to a point where you're as thankful as you can be. Does that make sense? I, I think we need to continue to learn how it is that we can be more thankful for what we for what we have and what God has given us. And so this morning we're going to learn about being thankful perhaps from a little bit of an unusual source. So if you would this morning open your Bibles to Luke chapter 17. A very peculiar story kind of right here in the midst of this chapter that we're going to look at for Thanksgiving. And again, I, again, it's kind of an unusual story for Thanksgiving, but nevertheless, I think you'll see how it's going to fit. So Luke chapter 17, and let's go all the way to verse number 11. Luke 17, 11. It says, Now it happened as he went to Jerusalem that he passed through the midst of Samaria and Galilee. Then as he entered a certain village, there met him ten men who were lepers who stood afar off. And they lifted up their voices and said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. So when he saw them, he said to them, Go show yourselves to the priests. And so it was that as they went, they were cleansed. And one of them, when he saw that he was healed, returned and with a loud voice glorified God and fell down on his face at, at his feet, giving him thanks. And he was a Samaritan. So Jesus answered and said, were there not ten cleansed, but where are the nine? Were there not any found who returned to give glory to God except this foreigner? And he said to him, Arise, go your way, your faith has made you well. What a passage, what a passage. 
Folks, the first thing I think that you and I need to look at whenever we, in regards to the scripture is, you know, is the condition of the lepers. I mean, can you imagine what it would be like to have lived in that day and time as a leper? I mean, one of the things that you got to figure out immediately is that if you were a leper in this day and time, you were in abject poverty. The modern slums that you and I see and the various communities here in the United States, the you know the various things that are happening inside those slums, the mattresses that are filthy, the, the, the rotting things, the lice, the roaches, the rats, the drugs, the alcohol, and the list goes on and on. Now, listen, I'm talking about the slums in the United States. These slums in the United States are literally palaces compared to what those lepers in Jesus' day and time would have lived in. Are you all there with me? They were they were they would be palaces in A.D. 33. There were no disability checks. There wasn't any kind of welfare, wasn't kind of any kind of food cards, no hospitals. Lepers were completely abandoned there. There was no relief organizations that would have reached out to them. So poverty was something that they had to get used to living in. They were socially ostracized. These folks were cast out of their homes. I mean, the moment that leprosy was pronounced on them, their family said, go away and stay away. Are you all there with me? They were forbidden from even entering into the town. They couldn't have contact with any of their families. You see, there wasn't anything like texting or cell phones back then. So they were totally excommunicated from their families. They had to stay off all the roads. And if they saw a person approaching them, they were to cover their faces and they were yell out to them, unclean, unclean. They had to give everybody that even got in close proximity to them, they had to give them this warning that they are unclean, that they are unclean, that they are untouchable. They had to live out in the weather. And the only way that they could get food was to be be a beggar, to beg. And they had to do that as a distance. And folks, I'll be honest with you, most of the the individuals that have studied this believe that the lepers made their livings out of the garbage dumps. So there was very little begging that went on. They literally ate out of the garbage dumps. Their physical conditions, whenever you consider it, I mean, lepers were hideous to look at. Their noses, their lips, their ears, many times were literally eaten off by the disease. Their teeth had fallen out. They had lost fingers and toes and sometimes even hands and arms. Their skin oftentimes had patches of raw flesh and there were areas that were rotting and stinking. I'm just giving you an idea what a leper's like. But the worst suffering at all, beyond the poverty and beyond being socially ostracized and beyond the physical conditions, was the haunting memories of their loved ones that they could never visit again. I can't even imagine what it would be like if all of a sudden I was totally excommunicated from my family. No longer could I give my grandkids a hug. No longer could I hug my sons and daughter. Are y'all there? I mean, this, this is a pain that they, they couldn't love their wives or their husbands anymore. Their, their children that they longed to see, they longed to touch no more. They'd lost their homes. They'd lost their careers. They'd lost respect. 
And I will tell you this, in the day and time of, of, this, uh, of, of leprosy, in this, in this day and time, there was, they were not um, uh, respecters of persons. It affected everybody from every kind of social standing. All of their respect was gone. Any, uh, any attempt for them to ever hope to be useful was gone. The only thing ahead of them was a long, drawn-out, horrible death. And that's why the Scripture uses leprosy as a type of comparison to sin. Because leprosy, the physical disease of leprosy, it, it affects the external, but sin affects the internal. And it does the same things to us that leprosy does on the outside, sin does on the inside. It eats away your spirit and it destroys you. So whenever you look at this text, a couple of things we got to know is these lepers had heard about Jesus. You know they had. They had heard about Jesus, man. We got a sign out in our foyer that says Jesus changes everything. And I will tell you this. These folks had heard about Jesus. And they had heard about Jesus healing lepers. You see, Jesus began healing lepers as a part of his regular everyday ministry. In Matthew 10, 8, it says, He healed the sick, cleansed the lepers, raised the dead, cast out demons. In Luke 7, 22, it says, Jesus answered them and said, Go and tell John the things you have seen and heard, that the blind see, the lame walk, and the lepers are cleansed. So, man, I'm telling you, these folks, they, they had heard about Jesus. And so they appealed to Jesus. They appealed to him. The reports of lepers being healed must have shot through the lepers community like lightning. Man, there's hope for us. There's this guy, Jesus, that's healing. And so they waited on him. It's kind of a stalking situation. We know he's coming this way, so we're going to go over here beside the road They had to be exactly the right distance away from the road or it was bad news for them. And so these ten lepers heard about this report and and they determined to get along this road where they had heard that Jesus was coming down. They were there. They were waiting on Him. But you got to know that this was probably a pretty pitiful sight. Ten hobbling disgusting, decaying, dying men, probably some of them literally holding up the other one. So they're waiting on Jesus. The next thing they had to do is get his attention. Just wonder in this room, have any of you all ever felt like it was difficult to get God's attention for something that you were going through? There's been times in my life, literally, whenever I've been praying and my prayers felt like that they were just hitting the ceiling above me and bouncing back down. That they weren't coming anywhere close to where Jesus was. And I'm just saying that's the way it felt. Sometimes we believe that it's difficult to get God's attention, but I will tell you this, it's not. The Bible says his ear is inclined towards us, so he is literally waiting on us to say something. So here's these ten guys, and they're going to get Jesus' attention somehow or another. 
So as Jesus approached them, you kind of wonder how it was that they got his attention. They may have waved their arms. They may have, uh, you know, pointed to their missing fingers and limbs so as that he would know that these people that are trying to get his attention are, are lepers. I believe that they lifted their voices. Lifted their voices. You know what that means? They shouted. I mean, blind Bartimaeus, what did he say? Oh, son of David, have mercy on us. And they told him that sheer being a little bit too loud. And the Bible says that blind Bartimaeus cried out all the more. Folks, I believe there is a place in our lives whenever we need to lift our voices, whenever God is, is needing to be on the scene of something we're going through. So often we, we've got this idea that we should pray silently. I'm just going to tell you, there may be a place in time where you need to be praying silently. But most often, we need to be praying out loud. And there's sometimes we need to be praying out really loud. Come on. So Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. All ten of these guys are waving around, jumping up and down. I don't know. They, they didn't ask for money. They didn't ask for any kind of earthly comfort. But, but only that this horrid, despicable disease, which was consuming them bit by bit, would be healed. And folks, this morning, you know, we sit here and we go, man, whoa, I'm thankful that I'm not a leper. But I will tell you this, if we could only see our own spiritual condition, I believe we would have the same desperation as these ten lepers for healing. Sometimes I think in our own self-righteousness, because, you know, we're good people. Many times whenever I'm ministering to somebody and I'm telling them about the gospel, they'll tell me, I'm a good person. I don't cheat people. I don't lie to people. But folks, i got to tell you something. Until Jesus comes in and he does a whole new work on the inside of us, we are just like these lepers on the inside. And so my prayer is that God do for us on the inside what you did for these lepers on the outside. Just a curious question this morning. Let's just see if anybody, how many of y'all like to be told what to do? You know, they're, yeah, 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 delineate. There was a time whenever marriage ceremonies was, you know, wives obey your husbands. And I'm going to tell you something. I've had wives come to me and say, don't you say that because I will not agree to that. So I slip it in there anyway. <laughs> I, I think it's human nature to not really want to do what people tell us to do. I mean, I do it because I need to do it. Does that make sense? But I'd much rather have it my way. <laughs> Did that sound at all like Sinatra? Okay, never mind. I didn't think so. That's why I'm not leading worship. <laughs> there came a moment in this interaction between the lepers and Jesus that he commanded them to do something. And he needed their obedience. He said, go and show yourselves to the priest. There was a command given there. This was the Old Testament. 
command that a leper do this, even if he had already been healed. And the ten lepers might have said, nah, you know, the the priest, what's he going to think about us? You know, he's going to think we're crazy. You know, we're not healed yet. You know, understand, I mean, they weren't healed. Jesus didn't touch them, you know, because he did touch a leper one time. I mean, he just reached in there and just touched that oozing mess. And that leper was made well. And but this is not that way. They're all standing there. We want to be healed. We want to be healed. Oh, Jesus, come on, heal us. And he just says, go show you guys yourselves to the to the priest. I mean, they weren't healed yet. But there was something of a promise in this statement that Jesus made. And so whenever they begin to act on what Jesus said, and folks, i got to tell you, I could preach 40 or 50 sermons on this one thing right here. Act on what He says. Be obedient to what the Word of God says. And it brings blessing down on us. Amen? Instead of walking around saying, man, I'm sick, I'm sick, I'm sick, because the doctor said I'm sick, walk around and say, I'm well, I'm healed, because that's what Jesus has done for me. Are y'all following what I'm saying? I'm telling you, sometimes we've got to line up with what Jesus is telling us to do. Begin to act out our healing. Put some action into our faith. I believe that this is a great revelation for us that are seeking healing, that are seeking blessing. Folks, if you want to be blessed financially, let me tell you one of the very first things you better start doing is opening up your wallet and giving to the kingdom of God. If you don't open up your wallet and give to the kingdom of God, kiss financial freedom by. I'm just telling you. I'm not telling you so that you can tithe to this church. I'm telling you so that God can bless you. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not yet seen. That's what faith is. Whenever you open up and you start doing what Christ has commanded you to do, even though you don't have that miracle yet manifested in your body, in your finances, in your family, in your husband, in your wife, whatever it might be, it is it is on its way because that's what faith does it pulls it down there's no other way that we get things from heaven but by faith it's the only thing that pulls it down romans 4 4 17 says um in the presence of him who he believed god who gives life to the dead and calls those things which do not exist as though they do So here is this here is this command that's been given them. I mean Mark 11:24 says this, believe that you have received it. And, and and remember this, this is past tense. Believe that you have received it and it shall be yours. So here's these 10 lepers and they're going, "Okay, uh The words that Jesus spoke to them literally became a point of contact for their faith. Other times, Jesus did all kinds of stuff. Like I said, he reached in and he touched that leper that one time. But one time, he literally took some dirt and spit in his hand and made some mud and applied it and they were healed. Are you all there? I mean, there was a woman one time that literally pushed her way through the crowd and she said, oh, but if I could just touch the hem of his garment and sure enough, she touched the hem of his garment. Boom, she was healed. 
So these words that Jesus had just spoken, they became that point of contact for these lepers. And I kind of see it like this. And now, again, you just go with me here because this is not in the Scripture. But I believe whenever Jesus said, go show yourselves to the priest, I think that they all did an about face and they went to show themselves to the priest. They said, Jesus... Jesus healing lepers all over the place. Man, he's healing them. When he touched, when he did this, he told us to go show himself ourselves to the priest. And I believe they went down the road. Are y'all? I don't think they stood there. Well, what do you think we ought to do? What do you think we ought to do, Wally? Harry, I don't know. What would she do? I don't know. There's a football game coming on here in just a few minutes. Okay, let's go ahead and go to the temple and show ourselves to the priest. I don't think there was any of that. I believe that this this was a point of contact for them where they said, listen, let's go. Let's load up. Let's go. I always tell my wife that I do everything she tells me to because I'm obedient husband. And this is her word back to me. She says, only if you want to. Let that one sink in for a minute, men. And I have to admit that sometimes she's exactly right. Because there are sometimes she tells me to do things that I really don't feel like doing. I mean, if she told me, she said, you go get your fishing rod and you go fishing right now. But there are some things that, you know, we might not feel like doing. But can I just make this point? Feelings must follow faith, not the other way around. Because there may be something that Jesus Christ tells us to do that we might not feel like doing. Are you all there? And so it's, it's feelings follow faith. Anybody can walk on land, but it takes, a, it takes faith to walk on water. So these lepers, they had set aside their reasoning. And how many of you can identify with me? You like to have a, a reasoning mind. Mm-hmm. I was curious whenever I was a kid. I'm still curious. I want to know the answers to everything. And there's some things that Jesus tells me to do and some things he tells me to say that there is no reasoning behind it. He just wants our obedience. So these lepers, they set aside their reasoning. They perhaps set aside their previous experiences. I mean, if a doctor tells you over and over and over, there's nothing we can do for your condition. I mean, a lot of times it's, it's, it's human nature, I think, to just rest on that. Well, I'm going to die. Nothing, nothing they can do. Maybe they say, well, there's been hundreds that have died before you, and they weren't even this bad. You know what I'm saying? So maybe it's previous experience. Maybe it's the laws of science. Well, science says this. Maybe it's fears. Maybe it's embarrassment. I don't know. But these lepers, they set all of that aside. And that's the place you and I got to come to. 
God may ask us to do some really weird stuff, but I want to tell you something. It is His will to heal us and bless us. It is His will to make our marriages strong and our kids strong, our wives and husbands strong. Are y'all there with me? And folks, you and I sometimes got to step, take a, a ginormous step of faith and do what He has called us to do and set reasoning aside, aside and previous experiences aside. Forget about science and math and all of those things. Forget about fears and embarrassment, but just say, man, Jesus, I'm getting on this train and I'm going to ride it till it's at the destination I want it to be at. For heaven's sake, these lepers didn't even look at their symptoms. Go show yourselves to the priests and they look down and their fingers are rotten off. They didn't even look at their symptoms. You know what they looked at? They looked at the word of God. They watched Jesus. He said, you're healed. Go show yourself to the priest. Act on it. Go do it. And so I've talked about their obedience. But folks, their obedience was without proof of their healing. Y'all, y'all see this? It would be so much easier to have been touched. And you go, oh, baby, I'm showing myself to the priest now. This is awesome. But it was without that healing. They turned away and their leprosy had not gotten any better. But yet they still acted on the word that Jesus gave to them. They began hobbling their way towards Jerusalem, towards the temple. And just as God gives his spirit to them that obey him, he gives healing to those that obey him. He gives blessing to those who obey him. But as these lepers went along their journey, they began to notice the flowing of life, the feeling in their limbs that they had not felt perhaps in years and perhaps even decades, limbs that had been dead, lips that they had not felt, noses that they had not felt, toes that they had not felt before. All of a sudden, they start coming alive. One of them might have started moving his arms that had not been able to move in years. They'd been dead. Another noticed his scaly, ashen-colored skin began to throb with life. Open wounds began to close, and fingers and toes and noses literally began to grow out. Hoo-yah. Before they got even a couple of miles down the road, I I read a lot of commentary on this, and they believe that these guys were at least two to three miles away from Jesus before they began to realize all of this was taking place. All ten of them were completely healed. And you go, well, how do you know they're only two or three miles away? Because there was a certain timing that took place because one of them turned around and returned to Jesus. So, where are the nine? Tough question. In Luke 17, it tells us that Jesus was on his way to Jerusalem, but he was probably skirting around Samaria. So after Jesus had commanded the lepers, they must have taken a a more straight route, perhaps, than cross, maybe a cross-country route to Jerusalem, 
going right through the midst of Samaria. The Lord and his apostles hadn't gone very far whenever they saw a man running towards them. He was praising God with a loud voice. He threw himself at the feet of Jesus and he thanked him. Thank you, Jesus, son of David. Thank you, thank you, thank you. So here's where we get to this Thanksgiving thing. There were ten cleansed, and where are the nine? The Bible adds, and he was a Samaritan. Think about this. It's shocking that God's people didn't even come back to say thanks. You know, this morning, can I just get on to us? Would that be all right? You know, sometimes how you have to get onto your kids. You know, God's presence came into this place this morning. I mean, I felt the tangible presence of God in this room. And sometimes I believe as people who have gone to church and gone to church and gone to worship service, gone to worship service, I think we take it way too for granted. Man, there ought to be a spirit of thanksgiving that breaks out in our heart whenever his presence begins to come down in our midst. Are y'all following me? I think there ought to be something that just rises up inside of us that says, man, God, God of this universe, why would you ever even think about coming and visiting us with your manifest presence in this place? Oh, God, thank you that you came right here at this little church on 441 and you just moved in our midst and we felt your presence and we felt your love and we felt your grace. Oh, God, thank you. Are y'all following what I'm saying? I just don't think we're really good at thanking God for what he does for us because I think we've become desensitized many times to his presence I'm just saying that wasn't in my notes and that is totally free this morning Jesus asked this guy he says weren't not all ten cleansed where are the other nine and this this Jesus is asking that question Where are the other nine? little story here that I think goes very well with this message. Many years ago, a ship named the Lady Elgin sank in Lake Michigan. A university student, Edward Spencer, was an excellent swimmer and risked his life in freezing temperatures to save 17 people off the ship. His health was broken by the effort. When he was old... He was asked if any of the 17 people had ever expressed their thanks to him. He answered, not a one. I mean, folks, is that the way we get sometimes? I mean, think back just the last week. Was there a day? Was there a a moment that you literally set aside time and said, God, I thank you for your salvation in my life? Because I'm going to tell you folks, salvation is a really good thing. And it cost God a lot. 
to save my old nasty soul, it cost him a lot. Are y'all seeing where I'm at this morning? I just think sometimes we just, we go along. I mean, good grief. I've been saved almost 40 years and I'm going along and I'm just going along and I take so much for granted. And there needs to be a spirit of thanksgiving that comes over me every day that I live, that I am free from the bondages of sin, that I have a home in heaven forevermore. There ought to be a time where it rises up inside of me that I say, oh God, thank you for Jesus. Thank you for the blood. Thank you, God. Oh God, it is good. It is good. I mean, this was a challenge to me in this message. You know, how often do, you know, it's it's like I, I serve my wife. I mean, she cannot go in the kitchen, serve herself. So I, I serve her. And I mean, I ask her every morning, I said, what do, you, what do you want for breakfast? And she says, she said, yogurt this morning. So I brought her, you know, the little cup of yogurt and a spoon and a, and a cup of orange juice. So after I did my thing, she has it all sitting there on the table ready for me to return to the kitchen. She said, thank you for breakfast. That's what she told me. And I said, well, man, it was hard. I'm telling you, you know how hard it is to cook that yogurt? You know, I mean, Really? I mean, it's a cup of yogurt, you know. It's not like I broke a sweat in the kitchen. I went in there, glug, glug, orange juice, a straw in it, you know, a a spoon. And, you know, but yet I really believe that she was sincere in saying, thank you for breakfast. Because I believe this. Ingratitude is very common. Jared, if you'll come this morning to help me close this, I've just got a couple of illustrations here kind of right at the end that I would like to uh, read because I really believe that they are, no pun intended, kind of eye-opening. First one is this. Oftentimes I'm afraid we overlook the simple gift of creation and fail to thank God for the beauty around us. And man, living here in the beautiful scenery that we live in every day I promise you that is easy to do. We can drive down the highway without ever seeing the gorgeous nature that God has placed around us. And I've had the opportunity to live where it is ugly. Yes. And I go back to where I grew up and I think, oh my, this place is horrid. And I come back to the mountains that we live in and I'm for at least an hour or two. I'm looking around going, man, we live in a beautiful place, man. Bob Eddins was blind. He couldn't see a thing. His world was a black hall of sounds and smells. He felt his way through five decades of darkness, and then he could see. A skilled surgeon performed a complicated operation, and then for the first time, Bob Eddins had sight. He found it overwhelming. I never would have dreamed that yellow is so yellow, he exclaimed. I don't have the words. I am amazed by yellow. But red is my favorite color. I just can't believe red. I can see the shape of the moon. And I like nothing better than seeing a jet plane flying across the sky, leaving a vapor trail. And of course, sunrises and sunsets. 
And at night, I look at the stars in the sky and the flashing light. You could never know how wonderful everything is. I just can't believe how yellow, yellow is. You see, we take so much for granted. We are such a blessed people. We, we live in the most prosperous nation the world has ever known. And regardless if you have 10 cents in the bank or 5,000 in the bank this morning, you are blessed. You are blessed probably above the other 98% of the world's population just because you live in America. We're blessed. We're blessed. One more little illustration. High school students were asked what the seven wonders of the world were. They listed things such as the pyramids, the Great Wall of China, etc. One girl remained silent. The teacher said, Emily, what did you write down? I wrote down the seven wonders of the world are to see, to taste, to touch, to hear, to feel, to laugh, and to love. The room was so full of silence that you could have heard a pin drop. Those things that many times we overlook as simple and ordinary are truly wondrous. The most precious things in life cannot be bought. So this morning, I just want to close this message by saying, what are you most thankful for today? What will you be most thankful for on Thursday as we as a people celebrate Thanksgiving? I had to think about this one for a little bit. Because you see, I had to answer this question. What am I most thankful for? I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I that live, but Christ that lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and He gave Himself for me. That's it right there. It's number one in my book. Jesus Christ died for me. And I got to tell you, man, I was a scuzzy, scuzz, 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 scuzz. And he laid it all down for me. You see, without Jesus' death, and without Jesus' sacrifice in my place, I, 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 wouldn't, I wouldn't have anything to give thanks for. Are y'all following what I'm saying? I mean, because all that Jesus did for me makes everything else worth it. I'm so thankful that Jesus, even though he knew everything about me, he still died in my place. I mean, if some of you told me the horrible and despicable and disgusting things that you have done, I'm, I would write you off. I, I ain't dying for you. I ain't even going to poke my finger for blood for you. Y'all there? But yet Jesus knew everything that we had ever done, and he still died for us. He opened up the way for me to have eternal life. And this morning, my question is, what are you thankful for?
I believe we as a people could take a moment right now and make a new commitment of our lives to appreciate what Jesus Christ has given us. I think it is very fitting to close our service out this morning with communion. I'm going to ask the elders if they'll go ahead and come. Our deacons, Pastor.